Dr. Zarba Pastor from Logan Regional Hospital. Thanks for joining us today. And uh, Dr. Pastor, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you. It is wonderful to be here. It's great wonderful. to have you in Logan. Yeah, it's great to be here. I uh, I love Utah. I've come here numerous times to enjoy the beautiful climate. I've skied at a number of ski resorts, snowed in one time, and hiked arches and other places. And I always think fondly of the state, absolutely, and the people. Our thanks to our sponsors for the Logan events, Logan Regional Hospital, and for the Moab events, Moab Regional Hospital and USU uh, Moab. Um, Dr. Pastor... Uh, I think people will who have listened to your show be interested to l- to learn a little bit about your background. You were, were you? I think you were raised in Chicago. Yes, yes. I'm a Flatlander, as we, as we say in Wisconsin. Born and raised in Chicago. Uh, went to Wisconsin uh, when I was an undergraduate. Fell in love with the state, and I have lived there uh, ever since. Mm-hmm. And I just love it. I love the outside. I love the people. So you went to went to Madison. Mm-hmm. In fact, ended yeah. up in a in a town. A little bit outside of Madison? Yeah, a little bit outside of Madison. Oregon, Wisconsin. Not Oregon. Oregon is the state. Oregon is the town. And I'm fond of saying that our town was founded by losers. Uh, not everyone who went to the state of Oregon made it. It was Rome's Corners and a bunch of people in the 1880s set out to make, you know, the gazillion dollars and busted. And then they came back and our town was founded by those people. We are winners now, but... Uh, <laughs> Very good. So you ended up in a, in a medical practice. Yes, Yes. Uh, at what point did you get involved in a radio show? Well, I, uh, I went, came to Oregon from Chicago, decided uh, that we were having children, and that Chicago, though it's a nice place to visit, you wouldn't want to live there, and it was not a great place to raise kids. So we decided we'd be in Madison. And then small town outside of Madison, ideal, perfect. When we moved there, we had no stoplights and no stop signs. Now we've got a couple of stoplights and uh, went there and decided that this was a good place to practice. You wouldn't have to commute. I would get to know the people in the town. My kids would go to school with their kids, and it really has been wonderful. And then one day, uh, got a call. I had a friend in our Wisconsin public radio station, and they said, everyone has the flu. Would you like to be on the air? And I thought, no way am I going to be live on the air Forget it. But uh, things being as they were, they talked me into it. And then I started being a regular guest with uh, Tom Clark, who had a morning show. And before you know it, a regular guest turned into a show. And then we've been on for a long time with On Your Health, which I love doing. People, uh, I, I think, probably you get this question a lot, I imagine. What's Tom really like? <laughs> well, actually, you know, what's interesting is you look at his diet. So, you know, his diet, he likes meat and potatoes. So you look at his diet, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. It's not ideal, but when you do a nutritional point of view. So in the morning, and that's, I always talk about his diet because that's, you know, that's what we always talk about. So, of course, he hates tofu, nothing with tofu. But in the morning, he has a breakfast shake. He gets a nutritional breakfast shake uh, that he puts in, sort of like a carnation instant breakfast, but his wife buys a better one because she eats perfectly. Uh, for lunch, uh, that's where he fails, goes out and has a burger or something else. But for dinner, he has the same thing. He has a container of yogurt. He has a handful of nuts. He has some dark chocolate on a chocolate bar and then has some fruits and vegetables. Now, when you look at his diet versus the standard American diet, you realize he's really not eating that bad at all. And then Mm. he exercises on a regular basis. But outside of the show, I never see Tom. Mm. Uh, I never see him. He walks his dog in one place. I walk my dog in the dog park. And so 
our lives split after that. But we know each other really well because mm. we see each other every week. Like if I put myself in, in Tom's shoes, um, I, I don't know. It might might be a little wearing. You, you, you're seeing a doctor every week. <laughs> and he's, he's nagging you about your diet. And... Yes, but he knows how to turn off nagging yeah, pretty easily. Okay. That's exactly it. He knows how not to be a nagger. He seems uh, likable, a little bit of a curmudgeon. Oh, he's a street, curmudgeon. You know, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. He's a curmudgeon. He did our morning show for a couple of decades. And what was really good about it was that you could never tell what his political views were. He had a lot of politics, you know, left and right. And you couldn't tell because he asked everyone the hard questions and never let anyone get away with anything. Anything. So Tom was really great in that way. And, and just like with, with politics and medicine, you have to ask hard questions so you can decide what's really good for you. You can separate out the wheat from the chafe. You can separate out the good websites from the junk websites. You know, take a disease. You can go on the web and you can see a beautiful website, but they might be selling you garbage. And in fact, that's what a lot of medical websites do. Mm. You always have a, you, you take a study and, uh, and analyze it yeah. uh, every week. That's that's part of something you feel strongly about, as you were just saying, um, looking hard at the science. Yeah. No, and I think that's good. And I was, uh, as we were talking just before the show, there's an interesting article in the British Medical Journal. If you do go to bmj.com or if you Google BMJ and you do advertising athletes, there was a study that came out a couple of weeks ago, two weeks ago, I believe, <clears throat> looking at 100 athletes and what they were endorsing. And then they were looking at 25% of their endorsements are for athletic wear. Well, that's fair game. No, you know, no harm, no foul, you know, athletic gear, shoes, Nike, things like that. But uh, 30% had to do with food and drinks. So they went and looked at the food and the drinks. And uh, 87%, roughly 87%, a little bit below 90, of the food they advertise is caloric dense and nutrition poor. In other words, it's junk. You know, uh, you know, a little less than 90% is junk. And then you look at the, uh, at the drinks they advertise, and 97% of the drinks they advertise are calories without anything nutritionally. And then you look at the top athletes, uh, LeBron James, which was the top athlete, he tripled his salary by endorsements tripled his salary. I think he made, I think it was like $35 million extra by endorsing uh, junk. And so then you look at who looks at the advertising. Well, adults do, obviously, you know, but kids do. You know, if I drink what LeBron drinks, I'm going to be an athlete and I'm going to be in the NBA. And the answer is, no, you're just going to be more likely to be an overweight child who is going to have trouble with weight as an adult. So I think looking at articles like this, and then applying it to our own life, what we do with our own lives, what we do with our families, I think that begins to change behavior. And it it does change behavior. Um, and I just want to go back to one more thing. Uh, Utah, as many of you may know, has the least smoking in the entire country. Utah leads the way when it comes to non-smoking. And that's because the culture in Utah, because of the LDS church, for the most part, has said smoking is bad. And so you have fewer smokers. Social, uh, cultural things actually changing behavior. Well, that influenced Wisconsin. Ten years ago in Wisconsin, if they said there would be no smoking in taverns, we're fond of saying in every small town you find one church 
in two bars. Uh, and that's the case in small town Wisconsin. And if they said those bars are going to be non-smoking 10 years ago, I would say you're nuts. That's not going to be the way it was. But society changed. The laws changed. No one would ever think of lighting up in the bars. They all go outside. And the same thing happens. Society ends up changing culture. And it's the same thing with food for our children and drinks for our children. When hmm. we finally get a handle on that, we'll begin to have that. And LeBron James right now is on the wrong side of that curve. So you're hopeful that, the, that the, with the same curve that we did with smoking, we can change oh, the so. eating habits? I think so. Who talked about this years ago? Think about it 20 years ago. Coke, you never talked about it. In fact, I was reading in the uh, Wall Street Journal yesterday that uh, Coke sales are going down. It was very interesting. Coca-Cola, Pepsi sales are down 5 to 6% for the year. That is a huge ton. But the biggest drop is in diet soda. Diet soda has dropped even more, and that's because people are worried about the supplements, you know, the food, uh, basically food additives, which are in diet soda. So here it is. We're worried about uh, we're worried uh, about high fructose corn syrup, which basically is in soda or regular sugar. But then we worry about you know aspartame, which is NutraSweet, that's in the diet soda. So we're moving more towards drinking water. You know, 20 years ago, did you see people with bottled water? Uh-uh. Wasn't around. We're looking more towards that. And that's a cultural change because we have to reduce our calories because they're cheap, inexpensive, and we eat too many of them. Mm -hmm. I want to talk a little bit more about health literacy. The Internet, uh, the availability of information, is a blessing and a curse to the patient and the doctor, I would, I would <laughs> say. Um, you, I imagine you have patients now come in that have, have done extensive research. Yes. It yeah. may be helpful, maybe not. Yeah, a blessing and a curse. Well, uh, it's certainly a blessing and a challenge. Maybe we'll take away a curse. The bad sites are a curse. Uh, the Internet is great. The ubiquitization of information and democratization of information are wonderful. Uh, years ago, you never had that. You had a, you know, if you had, let's say, uh, a disease or a problem, uh, it was hard to find out. You'd have to get up, you'd have to go to the library, and then where did you look? Maybe the Encyclopedia Britannica, good encyclopedia, but where's the information? I mean, now you can get online, you can go to Wikipedia, which often has really good information. Studies have shown that. You can go to good web websites, and you can go into your doctor's with questions. Imagine that, actually having questions before you go into your doc and being prepared uh, you know, to be able to discuss that. That's better for patient care. And so you know, we doctors look at it and patient comes in with a list and the first thought is, well, wait a minute, they've got a list. Am I going to have to look at everything on the list? Well, you, know, you may have a list of 20 things, but the fact is you have a short visit. But over time, you can get those questions answered, and if you get them answered, you will live longer. Uh, the, one of the best studies that came out for this was the study of health literacy senior citizens. So these are, and it's still going on, 4,000 senior citizens in four different urban areas around the country. Uh, and they were looked at for health literacy. So they had 10 questions that they answered with an interviewer. They were multiple choice questions, but they were with an interviewer, not, not your usual question that you have in school where you have to mark it up. Okay. Uh, and then they graded people into the health illiterate. That was roughly 25% of the group, 25%, 30%. The marginally literate, which was about 15%, and the health literate. So an example of health illiteracy says take one tablet three times a day. And then they would give them a chance. It would say on the tablet, take it without food an hour before eating or two hours after eating. 
And then they asked them, you know, you're going to eat lunch from 12 to 1. So you could take it one hour before 12. That's 11 o'clock. Or two hours after 1. That's 3 o'clock. Those are two times you could take it. A third of the people couldn't figure that out. Now, follow those people over a five-year period compared to the people who knew when to take the pill. They are 50% more likely to die. In other words, if you're a senior citizen with diabetes and heart disease and you're health illiterate, you have a 50% increase in your death rate over a five-year period. That is humongous. That is enormous. So when we look at a major risk factor that we doctors do not pay attention to, health literacy is a major risk factor. Because if you're health illiterate, you don't change behavior because you don't know what to change. You don't know how to change it. You don't know if it applies to you. And I think that's, that's one of the reasons that I do this show is it gets people a chance to ask questions, get answers, and question their doctor. I mean, a good patient is a patient who brings in a list and asks questions. You're okay with that? Oh, yeah. I guess you, well, you if I wasn't okay that. with that, I couldn't do this. <laughs> That's, That's right. exactly That's right. it. But I'll That's tell you, right. my partners, uh, I also have a, a newspaper column. So I wrote a whole thing about niacin. Uh, niacin is a very interesting drug. We give it to change the numbers, to increase the good cholesterol and decrease the bad cholesterol. But there are now excellent studies that show it is worthless in the prevention of heart disease. Very good studies that came out uh, in JAMA, the New England Journal, and the feds are looking at it. And so I wrote an article about it, and I said, well, the studies show that even though it changes the numbers, doesn't prevent heart attacks, you should sit down and talk to your doctor. Monday morning, one of my good friends who I ski with, I've skied actually with a powder mountain out in Utah, uh, sent me an email and said, do not think that people do not listen to what you are saying. <laughs> so I saw him at the symphony about a week later and I said, why did you write the email? He said, I had 10 messages before noon the next morning from my patients who I have on niacin. I said, what did you do? He said, well, <laughs> it, was the, it was the end of the conversation because <laughs> he believed in niacin and I don't. But this makes for a good conversation because niacin, I think, is a worthless drug. Well, you then say, but I don't say stop taking your niacin. The bottom line is talk about it to your doctor. You as the patient make the decision. The data shows it doesn't prevent heart attacks. It makes your numbers better. Who cares about the numbers? You don't want to be a slave to your numbers. What you want to know is, do the numbers reflect on your longevity and health? And is it worthwhile taking a drug that may not be worthwhile? And I do just to get to one more thing. Beta carotene, if you remember, that was the hot supplement about 15 years ago, very hot. We did a long-term study that showed that beta carotene was not only worthless, but the carrot study, C-A-R-E-T, showed that people who were smokers who took beta carotene supplements had more that were more likely to die of lung cancer than non-smokers. So we looked at that. As you know, you don't see beta carotene around very much at all because science showed it was dead. We're going to take a brief break, um, and you're hearing the voice of Dr. Zorba Pastor. We may have sped up the week for you. You'll, you'll, you're confused. You're thinking it's Friday. Uh, that's when you, you normally hear Dr. Zorba Pastor on uh, Zorba Pastor on Your Health. We have him uh, live in Logan. Uh, this is kicking off several events, and we're uh, grateful to have Dr. Pastor with us. Events in Logan and Moab, and uh, you're in invited to join us. You have to register for these events. Uh, and so you go to our website, upr.org, to find out more about those. Our thanks to our sponsors for the Logan events, uh, Logan Regional Hospital, and for the Moab events, Moab Regional Hospital and USU Moab. And we are at Logan Regional Hospital uh, today. When we come back, we'll talk more about how to navigate these scientific uh, health uh, studies. We'll uh, talk about uh, Dr. Zarba Pastor's favorite uh, foods. 
get into talking about his work with the uh, Dalai Lama and yes. uh, his sponsorship of a hospital in uh, India and his work with uh, Tibetans. Very interesting work. More following the break. Programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our members and Zach Spencer, realtor with Red Rock Real Estate, offering real estate services throughout southern Utah, including St. George, Washington, Hurricane, and Cedar City. Information at redrockrealestate.com. And the Women's Center at Logan Regional Hospital, lit in pink every evening in October to honor all women, their families, and friends who have been affected by breast cancer. Information at loganregional.org. The Be Well Moment is made possible by the USU Department of Human Resources Wellness Program at usu.edu hr. October is National Depression Awareness Month. Depression is a common but serious illness. Do not be ashamed if you believe or feel that you may have depression. Here are some useful tips when dealing with common symptoms. Get a depression screening done if you are feeling down. It is better to get checked than to sit and wait. The sooner you seek treatment, the better your outlook will be. Treat problems such as insomnia or sleep apnea to help ease your symptoms. Eat healthy. A good diet rich in fruits and vegetables, whole grains, and fish may help battle depression. Learn to walk away. Depression can cloud your judgment. Try taking a deep breath and make decisions about a topic when you begin to feel better. Remember, depression does not have to be a normal part of life. With the right steps and a positive attitude, you can overcome it. This is Nicole Jackson for the Be Well program at Utah State University. Be well, Utah. Thanks for listening to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams, and today we're at Logan Regional Hospital. And uh, this program is kicking off several events with Dr. Zorba Pastor. You know him from the long-running uh, popular radio program, Zorba Pastor on Your Health. We're happy to have that program on our air uh, Friday mornings at 10. Dr. Zorba Pastor is in Logan and will be in Moab later in the week. Um, next up for Dr. Zorba Pastor is a presentation here at Logan Regional Hospital, along with lunch. And uh, that'll be happening at 1145 today. Then later on in the evening, uh, there is a, a benefit dinner for uh, UPR featuring Dr. Zorba Pastor at Herm's Inn in Logan. Uh, on Friday uh, afternoon uh, at Moab Regional Hospital, another presentation by Dr. Right. Uh, Pastor and, and a reception. Then Saturday morning, a hike. You can hike with Dr. Zorba yep. Pastor to uh, Delegate Arch, Arches National Park. And then back to Moab for a lunch. So many activities. You can get involved in some of these by going to our website, upr.org, upr.org. We thank our sponsors for the uh, Logan events, Logan Regional Hospital, and for the Moab events, Moab Regional Hospital and USU uh, Moab. Let me get right to some questions from listeners, uh, Doctor. Sounds good. And by the way, you can join this program. We hope that you will at upraxis at gmail.com, upraxis at gmail.com. Perhaps you... I've always had a question for Dr. Zorba Pastor and have not been able to get to him with the question. Here's your chance. UPRAxis at gmail.com, or you can go to our Utah Public Radio Facebook page. Let me start with email from Charles. He says, I admire you more than I can say. 
uh, Dr. Thank Zorba. You. <laughs> Thank but you. can you, uh, he spells it police. Can you police knock off with the, with the laugh? <laughs> it's not possible. <laughs> it's not possible. Your loyal That's listener, it. Charles. <laughs> so well, Char- I'll have to, Charles. I'll have to be depressed. I'll have to do yeah. a frown. Okay, there you go. <laughs> Charles, it sounds like it's not going to happen. The, the, <laughs> it's part of the doctor's uh, uh, personality. But thanks for that. Appreciate the, the kind words for the doctor. Thank you. Um, and here is... I'll have to pass that on to my wife. Yeah. <laughs> What's her attitude about <laughs> that? Who is not here. That? Uh, oh, she has a good attitude. That's okay. it. No, no, she's okay, she's okay with the laugh. Hey, we've been married for, what, 75 years? No, no, no. Yeah. No, no. 38 years, it only sounds, it seems like it's 75. Yeah, no, no, wonderful. it doesn't. <laughs> and, and four children. <laughs> yes, four children. Four perfect children. Never gave me a stitch... You know, perfect, always right. said please, always said thank you, kept kept the room perfectly clean, never said no. Yeah, perfect I, children, just I, like in Utah. I believe All it. your children are perfect, right? I, I believe it. Good and looking, above average, and never give you a stitch <laughs> of trouble. Right. Right. Dream uh, on. And I'm sure they, el- <laughs> they ate healthy. Uh, well, we tried to get them to eat healthy. We had friends. We had friends who would never let their kids have junk food. And uh, generally, we knew that because when they came over to our house, we would occasionally have junk food. In fact, not most of the time. I'm standing in line because I'm on television in Madison and we're having a party at the house. The kids are having a party. So I'm standing in line. I've got like, you know, 10 frozen pizzas in the cart and uh, sugary sweets, which is okay. We... Uh, we are not, you know, if, you, if you're if you too rigid, I think nothing works. What you want to do is you want to be, you know, you want to do it the right way and know it. So anyway, I'm standing in line and a woman is standing in front of me and she's kind of looking back in her cart, looking back. And then she said to me, and you talk to us about good eating? <laughs> <laughs> and she's looking at the junk stuff in the <laughs> That's cart. funny. But yeah, 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 they're pretty good. But you're human, you know. We're human. And we yeah. love to cook in the house. Yeah. I happen to love to cook. And all my kids cook. And I think mm. the best way, the way you really get control over eating and eating right is cooking. It's prepared food that tends to be salty, sweet, uh, you know, and high fat. And if you learn to cook, you save a ton of money and you have better food. And mm. I think that's really that's, – that's the mainstay. That's one of my passions uh, is getting people to cook and learn about food. Prepared uh, food is – you know, if it has more than five ingredients, as Michael Pollan says, then it's artificial. Mm. So that really comes through on the show. That's uh, that comes from your personal life. You'd be oh yeah, no, I cook. love cooking. When I yeah. lived, when I was in Chicago, went to the U of I Medical School. There were five people in the house, and uh, and we were uh, friendly, competitive, competitively cooking, and we all like to eat well. But it's expensive to go out, and so we would all try to beat each other out and make better food. And that's where I learned how to cook, and I still love it to this day. Mm. Let me go to our Facebook page. Here's a, uh, a post question from uh, Sterling Morris. He says, I'm always looking for new ways to consume enough vegetables, fruits, and water. What are some simple adjustments one can make to improve her or his diet? Well, first of all, look at what, uh, you know, during the season that things are growing, what's fresh and what's local. That's really what you want to hit on. So during those seasons when you can do it, those are the most nutritious things. And the reason is as soon as it has to travel from farther away, it begins to lose nutritional impact. So, you know, something that is freshly grown in Utah in your area during that time is the best thing. Um, I always tell people, add some juice, but make sure when you're going to add juice that you add juices that are low calorie. If you look at orange juice, ounce for ounce it has as many you know it's it's as sweet as coke so 12 ounces of coke are 12 teaspoons of sugar 12 ounces of orange juice are basically a little bit less than 12 teaspoons of sugar so you want juices not just to be fruit juices but vegetable juices so uh, look at tomato juice 
look at uh, low-sodium uh, V8 juice, not the high-sodium, because regular V8 has high-sodium. That's a good way to do it. Uh, and then try vegetables that you weren't used to trying. So in our house, what did I have as a kid? Corn, beans, canned peas, yuck. I hate canned peas. So try different vegetables that you haven't tried before. So for some people, they don't eat squash. You know, butternut squash, it's in season now. It's wonderful. I love to make a butternut squash soup. Uh, you know, there are wonderful recipes for that. Different ways of, of eating vegetables are good. And the way you get kids to eat vegetables is you go to the store and shop with them. So in other words, you go to the store and they'll pick out a squash because they're different shapes. And then they go home and if they cook it, they will eat it. Because what happens is they want to taste what they cook. And that's how you get kids uh, to try different tastes for vegetables. Mm. That's what I would do. We go to our next uh, question. This is from Teresa. She says, is alkaline water good for you? Alkaline water. Well, water is water. Water is good. And um, water has a pH of 7.0. I mean, by definition, that's what it has. But different water uh, may be slightly alkaline or slightly acidic. So where I live in Wisconsin, we have hard water. Uh, so our water is just slightly teeny bit uh, teeny bit acidic. But I don't think whether it's alkaline or acidic makes a difference as long as it's potable and you can drink it. But I don't think, I don't think alkaline water is necessarily going to change your health. Um, there's a guy named Harv, Howard Jarvis. Uh, and Howard in the 1950s developed, uh, had a book called Folk Remedies in Vermont where he started touting that you should have a teaspoon of apple cider vinegar which would make the water, you know, vinegar changes the pH of the water. Uh, a teaspoon of apple cider vinegar caught on. The book became a bestseller. And so then Howard decided he was going to go into selling apple cider vinegar called Honey Gar, a little honey, little apple cider vinegar. And then the feds in 1959 gave him a cease and desist order because you can make claims by books. But once you say it's, it's going to cure lung cancer, you're off the wall. Uh, but... You know, so you can now buy it and say it will improve your health, but you don't have to have scientific basis behind it. Mm. Uh, but I don't think alkaline water is going to do much. Mm. I'm not a big, I'm not a big fan of it. You're obviously listening to Doctor Zarba Pastor. You recognize his voice, uh, and you'll hear him again tomorrow on on his regular show, which he recorded earlier in the week. Uh, but uh, you can get him here live. We're coming to you live from Logan Regional Hospital with Doctor Zarba from Zarba Pastor on your health. And we're excited that this kicks off several events in Logan and Moab with Utah Public Radio and our, our great sponsors, which are for the Logan events, Logan Regional Hospital, and for the Moab events, Moab Regional Hospital and USU Moab. Uh, those events, if you haven't heard, if you've been listening to UPR, you, you're probably tired of hearing about this, but, uh, but we're excited about this. And a lot of you, uh, judging from registrations, are going to be joining us, and we'd love uh, for you to join us for events uh, if... Uh, if you would like. Come on down. It will be fun, wonderful, interactive, and, you know, there's something about live events that are really good because, you know, you're listening to UPR because you love it. I mean, this is where you get great information, uh, you know, that is uh, that is seasoned, that is well-balanced. It's your public radio station. Uh, and going to events like this are, are really, really good. And they also, anytime you learn anything about health, it improves your longevity. It does because you begin to, we call it sift and winnow, separate the wheat from the chafe, and learn about what's good for you and your family. Mm -hmm. so. uh, you've, you've interacted for many years with public radio listeners. Yes, I have. 
Yes, sir. I can always tell public radio listeners by the way they're dressed. <laughs> they always, really? They always dress really? the same. Yeah, sensible shoes. <laughs> you know, they're not wearing all that gaudy New York jewelry, although I, I was on in Brooklyn and New York for a number of times. They do dress differently in New York City than they do in Utah. But the public radio people are always sensible. Uh, and and they're surprisingly the same all around the country. You know, there, there are regional differences, a lot of regional differences between the country. But when you look at public radio people, they like information and they think that it's useful and they like to support that. So there's, there's a lot of similarity. And that's why I go around the country and do this. I love it. We're uh, grateful to have you uh, in, in Logan and uh, later in Moab. By the way, the events uh, coming up here at the Logan Regional Hospital, there is a, a lunchtime uh, presentation mm-hmm. Dr. Zarb is going to give uh, along with lunch, and that will be here at the hospital. Uh, then uh, later on this evening at Herms Inn in Logan, there is a dinner, benefit dinner for UPR, and Dr. Zorb will give a short presentation, a little Q&A, and we'll have dinner there. Uh, more information on those events at upr.org. Then we'll move to Moab, and so Friday uh, afternoon, 5.30, a reception and presentation by Dr. Zorb at Moab Regional Hospital. And then Saturday morning, a hike with uh, Dr. Zorb, a pastor, to uh, to Delicate Arch in Arches National yes. Park. We're happy yes. to be back in the, the park, the... the uh, the government shutdown is over, and yes, so yes. we'll be we'll nice. back to plan A on that, although there are a lot of beautiful areas in, in the Moab area, and then a lunch back at uh, noontime lunch in uh, Moab area. All those events, you can find out more about those. Register for the ones that are still available at upr.org. Let's go to our next uh, question. By the way, you can get your question into uh, Dr. Zorba Pastor here on Access Utah uh, by uh, email, upraxis at gmail.com, upraxis at gmail.com. You don't have to compete with everybody nationwide. You can uh, you can get your, your question right uh, through to Dr. Zarba, uh, upraxis at gmail.com, and you can join us on our Utah Public Radio Facebook page. So here's the next question. This is from Steve. He says, what's the good doctor's personal, he capitalizes this, personal exercise regimen? He says, uh, what does he do personally as distinct from what he would recommend to others? Uh-huh. Well, I got to do what I recommend. <laughs> Otherwise, it's not good. But I'm allergic to exercise. You know, it's not naturally in there. I love to hike. I love to ski. I like to bike. I like to swim. I hate to go to the gym. I don't like exercise. So, uh, about seven or eight years ago, I thought, you know, I am failing. I'm exercising for four to six weeks and then I drop out. And so I decided that uh, I would take some of my discretionary income and, send, and instead of going out to the bars, no, I, I don't go out to the bars, but instead of uh, spending and on other things, I would actually have a trainer. You know, I'd have a personal trainer. So I'm at the University of Wisconsin, so we have trainers in training, which I love, you know, because they're all like 20, go, go, you can do this. You know, they can do 20 pull-ups, and I can barely do one. Um, and they think I can do it. And so once a week, I have somebody who's a trainer, and they always ask me, now, what have you done during the week? Well, I'm not going to lie. So it keeps me solid. And so with that, I have found I will exercise uh, I will exercise three days a week. So what I do is I now have an elliptical in our basement. Uh, we have basements in the Midwest. Uh, <laughs> so I have an elliptical in the basement. We, we have some it. here, too. Yeah. You have some basements yeah. here. I used to have a treadmill. The treadmill broke. So I went to an elliptical, which is really better for my joints than the treadmill. And I do that for uh, 30 minutes, three to four days a week. Easy to do. I've got some weights that I do, too. You've got to do exercises. You've got to do balance. So I do balance exercises. I do the elliptical. Um, I do weights. Uh, and then I do stretching because I've got some athletic injuries, fractured my ankle a few years ago. Uh, and I do that three days a week. 
And I'm 90% compliant. I'm not 100%. So when I'm here, I'm not going to run and do some exercise. It'll be sort of a day off. And I feel better. It gives me more energy. I think it's incredibly important to do that. Uh, and then if I bike, if I go biking, then I may, I'm not going to hit the elliptical on that day. But I'm really careful about it because as our body ages, we begin to lose our reserve. We lose 1% of our muscle mass every year regardless. Uh, so a few years ago, I decided that I wanted to slim down. And I slimmed down to my college weight, and I looked in the mirror. And you know what? I didn't look the same. <laughs> I thought, where did the sag come? I've got a sag here and a sag there, and I've got the wrinkles here. And everyone wondered if I had cancer because I dropped 10 pounds. And I thought, well, maybe that's really not good. So I decided I would eat a few more calories and found my ideal weight. And I have to pay attention. Because like everybody else, uh, if I eat the wrong food and I have the wrong snacks, it's not good. So I have a mid-morning snack, which are nuts. I love nuts. But I take them out of a big container that I buy at Costco, and I put them in a small Solo cup. So I have six ounces of nuts and a piece of cheese. I've gotten rid of all the cookies, all the candy, all the junk. I don't have it. But mid-afternoon, I'll decide what I'm going to have. And I usually have a piece of dark chocolate. And I know just what I'm going to get because chocolate is good. But I stay away from a Snickers because I will eat the whole Snickers. So a little bit of thought with exercise and diet, you can make a big difference in hmm. what you're doing. We're talking with Dr. Zorba Pastor from Zorba Pastor on your health. Uh, let us take another question, then we'll go to break. Uh, by the way, you can join us right here. Your question to Dr. Zarba Pastor on Access Utah at upraxis at gmail.com, upraxis at gmail.com, or you can go and uh, post on our Utah Public Radio Facebook page. This is from uh, Tamara. Is there a correlation between hypothyroidism and high cholesterol? And is there an alternative medication to the statin drugs? Well, uh, uh, the answer is yes. Uh, so let's talk about, first of all, the hypothyroidism. Uh, I've done research on multiple medications. You know, full disclosure, we did research on Zocor, uh, Lipitor, uh, Baycol, a drug that was then taken off the market, and other drugs. Um, and one of the things we did is we looked at TSH. We looked at thyroid. Uh, and it turns out that people who are hypothyroid, uh, and they have an abnormal TSH, hypothyroid, have abnormal cholesterols. And so the first thing you do is you correct the thyroid, and a lot of people then, their cholesterol normalizes. So if your thyroid is low, you want to get back on your thyroid, and then after you're on it for six to eight weeks, check your cholesterol to see what it is. Uh, now let's talk about statins. Statins are great drugs. I love them. I think they're good. I've done research on them, uh, and I put a number of patients on them because they have proven uh, that if you have a heart attack, the chances you're going to get a second heart attack are much, much less. Now, be that as it may, there was an article that came out two weeks ago, a very important article in the British Medical Journal, and this was a study of studies. So the researchers took all the studies together that they could find of exercise and cholesterol-lowering drugs and Plavix, a drug that keeps you from reclotting, and aspirin. And they wanted to compare drug regime to exercise regime, okay? Study of studies, not the best control thing, but very, very good data. They looked at heart attacks. They looked at uh, post-stroke, whether or not you're going to get a second stroke in rehab. They looked at heart failure, and they looked at pre-diabetes, patients who have an abnormal blood sugar, uh, but, and it looks like they're going to become a diabetic, but, and they're not there. So here's what they found. If you're a diabetic and you exercise, a pre-diabetic and you exercise, it's better than taking a drug called metformin, which we're now giving to people to keep them from having diabetes. Exercise was superior. If you have a stroke, 
and you want to rehab and you, have a be- you don't want to have a second stroke, exercise turned out to be better than blood thinners such as Coumadin, aspirin, and Plavix, another thing. Don't stop those, but it turned out that exercise was better. Heart attack, it turned out that statins and exercise were just as good as preventing a second heart attack, according to this study of studies. Heart failure, it turned out the drugs were better. Okay, so let's put all this in together. Statins I still think are great, but statins plus exercise are better. But if you can't tolerate statins, and that's about 10 to 20% of the population, they get muscle aches, they have side effects, then you've got to go to the gym three to five days a week. That's what it means. You've got to get off your derriere, which is not a swear word. (laughs) It's French, which means buttocks, by the way. As you know, you have to get up. In Wisconsin, I always thought derriere meant the gas that you blow out of one part of your body, but it doesn't. It's French. But you have to get off your derriere, and you have to go and exercise in the gym because statins still have proven longevity. In this particular study, it's not a double-blind study because you can't blind it. So I think statins have their place for sure. Very good studies. But exercise has its place. Statins from exercise are really the best. Hmm. We're going to take another break, and we'll come back for a final segment with Dr. Zorba Pastor from Zorba Pastor on your health. Uh, We do have another question that's come in. We'll get to that uh, following the break at upraxis at gmail.com. You can join us at upraxis at gmail.com. Just about uh, eight or ten minutes left. Uh, Get your question in, and you can join us on our Utah Public Radio Facebook page. Dr. Zorba Pastor from Zorba Pastor on Your Health uh, coming to us, uh, or we're with him, here at Logan Regional Hospital. We thank our sponsors for the Logan events, Logan Regional Hospital, and for the Moab events, Moab Regional Hospital and USU Moab. More following the break. Did you know that graduates of instructional technology and learning sciences can land high-paying jobs in several different sectors, including K-12 and higher education, corporate America, government, and government subcontractors? Did You Know That is made possible by the USU Emma Eccles Jones College of Education and Human Services. More at cehs.usu.edu. Programming on Utah Public Radio is brought to you by our members and Crumb Brothers Artisan Bread, located at 300 South and 300 West in Logan, open Monday through Saturday until 2. With a changing menu of a specialty salad, French breakfast pastries with local seasonal fruits, and lunch sandwiches. And the Women's Center at Logan Regional Hospital, lit in pink every evening in October to honor all women, their families, and friends who have been affected by breast cancer. Information at loganregional.org. Thanks for listening to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams, and uh, we're with Dr. Zarba Pastor, Zarba Pastor on your health. You hear him usually uh, on Friday mornings at 10 on Utah Public Radio. We have him at Logan Regional Hospital. And so thanks for being with us, uh, Doctor. Uh, we're excited. Uh, several events uh, today through Saturday. And uh, you can find out a lot more about those and to register for the ones that are still available at um, upr.org, upr.org. Let me just uh, run down those events quickly. There's a lunchtime presentation at the hospital here with Dr. Zorba Pastor. Uh, No spots available for that, I don't think. Those are all gone. Uh, Those filled up quickly, but I just wanted to let you know about that. that There are still spots available for uh, tonight. Herm's in. Uh, we're not sure. Go go to our website, and you can find out upr.org, 
And uh, then uh, still spots available for the Moab events. There's a uh, reception and presentation 5.30 at the Moab Regional Hospital, and that is tomorrow. And then Saturday morning, a hike with Dr. Zorba Pastor to uh, Delicate Arch in uh, Arches National Park, and then a lunch following in Moab. More on that and to register at upr.org, upr.org. Thanks to our sponsors, Logan Regional Hospital, Moab Regional Hospital, and USU Moab. So time is dwindling. Let's uh, get to our next uh, question. You can join us at upraxcess at gmail.com. Here is Steve. He says, my blood pressure had been getting a little high, so I began meditating to try to control it, and it seems to be working. What does Dr. Zorba think about the benefits of meditation? Well, I think meditation can work for high blood pressure. Uh, the things that can work with high blood pressure are a reduction in salt. Some people are salt sensitive. Reduction in alcohol. Alcohol can be an issue. Uh, exercise actually is a good way of treating it. Slimming down, eating less food, getting to that. And then meditation can be very useful because it's those spikes of adrenaline uh, that go through your body when you're stressed that can produce high blood pressure. Reduce those spikes because you have a more even keel can make a difference. So keep it up. Works well. Well, familiar voice, uh, Dr. Zerba Pastor, and then another familiar voice, Lee Austin, uh, former host of this program, is with us. Sorry, Tom, old habits are hard to break, and you do have a live audience here, so we may have other questions. Before we went on the air, I heard you say, Dr. Pastor, that despite your busy schedule, one thing you make a priority of is to get nine hours of sleep each night. Right, right. The single right. most common health complaint I hear amongst my friends in my age cohort late 50s into their 60s, is having trouble getting that much sleep. And some of these people are very physically fit, exercise, others less so. But the single most common complaint is um, getting that good night's sleep and, and are the drugs like Ambien worth, worth trying? Well, that, that is a big issue as we get older. You know, we have more fragmented sleep. Imagine, you know, when you were a kid, you could be sleeping and your parents would pick you up and move you from one bed to another. Imagine as an adult if somebody came and picked you up. The only way any, that would happen was if you were drugged, that they would pick you up and, and you wouldn't wake up. Uh, so uh, a number of issues are, are useful there. First of all, for some people, uh, during the daytime, if they don't get enough sleep, a power nap of 20 to 40 minutes can really spruce that up. I find that very useful. Whenever I have time, I nap. I always feel like I'm lazy and slothful when I take a nap during the day, but I've gotten over that, set my timer off. That helps. That actually helps my sleep at night. Um, but, but it is an issue. Um, exercise can help beforehand, but still, some people get a fragmented sleep and it's a light sleep. So the question is, what about sleep aids? So uh, the avoidance of stimulants, caffeine being the most important stimulant, is an important issue. So for some, they're caffeine sensitive. They can't tolerate any. For many, they can't tolerate drinking any caffeine afternoon because in the afternoon they'll do it. I happen to love my coffee. If I have coffee after about 7 o'clock in the evening, I can't get, get asleep until midnight. So looking at the stimulants can be an issue. Now, if you look at over-the-counter remedies, they basically are Benadryl. That's what they all are. Diphenhydramine, most common thing. Some people like it, but it gives them a little bit of a hangover in the morning. It's the side effect of the drug. Um, Ambien, the problem with Ambien uh, is that our body then becomes used to it. So it doesn't work as well after about a week or two. Uh, and then if you stop using it, you go 
through rebound. So a common drug we use is a drug called trazodone. Trazodone is actually in a higher dose an antidepressant, but in the 25 milligram dose can help some people with sleep. And another drug called gabapentin, which is used for chronic pain, can help others. But this is an ongoing problem. I think looking at good sleep hygiene, getting to bed, making sure the room is the way you want to have it, not watching television, not looking at a computer, reading something before you go to sleep can all aid. Uh, but it's just like anything else. It sort of is a challenge as you get older to try to stay in bed for those seven, eight hours. Uh, but it's worthwhile trying. I didn't give you a perfect answer to that because there <laughs> is true. no perfect right, answer to right. that. And that is a common problem. But, you know, 20-year-olds never ask me that question. It's, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a mystery, yeah. Uh, I want to uh, – we just have about uh, three, three minutes left, and I want to spend those uh, talking about your very interesting work uh, in Tibet, in yes, India. Yes. Um, some people may not know you're practicing Buddhist. And, in fact, right. you're a member of the medical team for the Dalai Lama when he travels in right. America. Right. Tell us a little bit about right. that work. Uh, I've been involved in uh, Tibetan causes since 1968 uh, when I learned about it. Uh, my wife and I went to India, went to Dharamsala, which is where uh, the Tibetan uh, government in exile is back in 1976. So I've been very involved. Uh, and uh, in 1981, it turned out that in Madison, there was a, a young monk who is now an old monk that I take care of who became a, a professor at the University of Wisconsin in Tibetan studies, first in the country. Uh, and then when the Dalai Lama came to visit in 1981, he actually stayed with us for two weeks in our house. That is an unusual thing. Hard to think about it, but he was not as famous in 1981. And I'm part of his medical team. Uh, I find that very interesting. I work on Tibetan causes. In fact, next week, a week from now, I'll be in India helping them. Uh, there's a high rate of tuberculosis within that culture, and I'll be working at a charity hospital uh, that I work in there. Uh, one of the things that I've learned from this is a few things. First of all, the Dalai Lama gets nine hours of sleep and exercises 30 minutes a day. If the Dalai Lama can exercise 30 minutes a day, what's your excuse? Uh, and he meditates, of course, on a regular basis. When he's on, he's on. He does not waste his time. That's just not what you do, I guess, when you're the Dalai Lama. But the other thing that I've learned that's very important is he talks about compassion as being the vehicle for yourself. If you want to be happy, make other people happy. If you do good deeds for somebody else, You'll be happier, and they'll be happier. And it's really one person at a time. And uh, I find it very useful. And so I take that to me on a very regular basis so that uh, when uh, I got a cup of coffee today, I asked the person, I said, how are you doing today? And she looked me in her eye, and I made it a point to look at her in her eye, and I said, fine, how are you? And that's just a little interaction that we have with others, and that's what I've learned. I've learned that it's the small interactions that you do throughout your day that lead to a better feeling for yourself and, frankly, a better way to live your life. And if you live your life a better way, I think society becomes better. Perfect way to end the program. Uh, thank you very much. My pleasure. Dr. Pastor. Zorba Pastor is uh, in Logan, and uh, we're broadcasting right now from Logan Regional Hospital. Thank you to everyone here. Uh, there will be a lunchtime presentation given by Dr. Zorba Pastor. That, unfortunately, is all registered out. If you if you haven't got in, you won't, won't be able to get in there. But uh, there are other events you could get in on um, and uh, involving Dr. Zorba Pastor. Uh, one is this evening, a benefit dinner for UPR at Herms Inn. You can find out that about that at upr.org. And events in 
uh, Moab. And so tomorrow afternoon, 530 at Moab Regional Hospital, a presentation and reception. Then Saturday morning, a hike in Arches National Park, and then back to Moab for a lunch. You can find out about that at upr.org. Uh, you can hear Dr. Zorba Pastor on Zorba Pastor on Your Health Friday mornings at 10 here on Utah Public Radio. Thanks so much for joining us. My program pleasure. Today. Thanks for having me. And uh, we thank our sponsors, Logan Regional Hospital for the events in Logan and Moab Regional Hospital and USU Moab for the events in Moab. And uh, for all of us at Utah Public Radio, our thanks to uh, Logan Regional Hospital for hosting us for the program today. And thanks for listening to Access Utah. interviews were recorded at StoryCorps, a national initiative to record and collect stories of everyday people. Excerpts were selected and produced by Utah Public Radio. My name is Amber Spencer. I'm 29 years old. Today is May 22nd, 2013, and we are recording in St. George, Utah. And Terry Draper is my boss and friend. My name is Terry Draper. I am 51 years old. Today is May 22nd, 2013. We're recording in St. George, Utah, and Amber is my friend and coworker. Okay, Terry. So I just wanted to take this opportunity to learn about you and how you got to where you are and how you're so amazing at your job. So what do you do now besides being an awesome grandma? What do you do for a living? I direct communications for Intermountain Healthcare in their Southwest region. What is your favorite part about your job? My favorite part about my job is I love I love being able to see humanity recover and become well in a hospital environment. I love seeing the caregivers reach out and help patients regain their health. And sometimes when health can't be regained, provide compassion in circumstances when it doesn't always happen. Uh, the supportive care environment in healthcare is something that's very meaningful to me. And being able to be a part of that, even in a small way, uh, gives, gives me the desire to continue day after day in the work that we do here. Can you share one of your most memorable experiences? In the late 1990s, was a police officer with the Beaver uh, Sheriff's Department. And he and his fellow officers went on a mission to to uh, deliver some, some orders to a fundamentalist uh, individual in Beaver County. And in the course of, of their assignment, he was shot critically and wounded. And his canine partner officer was killed. He was brought to our hospital in critical condition and there was at first fear for his life and as he began to be stabilized then there was fear that he would lose his leg that was shot but those physicians working on him were able to save his leg and his life and I became friends with his wife and family and with the officers who came it was uh, just tender to watch the care that was provided and the love that, and family support that came from his family and from his police officer family, his sheriff's department family, as they rallied around him. And then when he recovered and kept his leg, uh, I received notes and 
and a, a gift from the family months down the road to let me know how they were doing. We ha- maintained that communication, and I've lost contact since. That's been about 20 years ago, not quite, about 15 years ago um, with the family, but the last I'd heard they were doing well. And interviews were recorded at StoryCorps, a national initiative to record and collect stories of everyday people. Excerpts were selected and produced by Utah Public Radio. Support for StoryCorps on Utah Public Radio comes from Dixie Regional Medical Center, located on two campuses in St. George, serving northwestern Arizona, southeastern Nevada, and southern Utah. Information at DixieRegional.org. Access Utah is a production of Utah Public Radio. You can listen to this episode or previous episodes of Access Utah anytime at upr.org, where you can find a link to subscribe to our podcast. This is Utah Public Radio, KUSR HD1 89.5 Logan, KUSK HD1 88.5 Vernal, KUSL HD1 89.3 Richfield, KUST HD1 88.7 Moab, and KUSU FM HD1 91.5 Logan. Thank you.